How you spend your money is, in many ways, how you spend your life. So how can you generate not just a return on your investments, but a return on life? Welcome to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Whether you're a working professional, a small business owner, or thinking about retirement, listen in as host Jason Deshays of Cook Wealth discusses tax strategy, financial planning, and more to equip you to live life empowered and truly own your wealth. Welcome and thank you for joining us today for Own Your Wealth with Jason Deshays. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Jason. How are you? I'm great, Wendy. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We are full-fledged warm weather now, so I'm good. How about you? You know, it's it's definitely gotten there. You know, we're outside a lot more enjoying, you know, the general pleasantness that's out here and pleasantness you know yeah the lawn just got mowed yesterday so it's all nice and fresh you know all that kind of the green is out it's a lovely time yeah so you're one of those people who love the smell of a freshly mowed lawn that's the smell definitely the look (laughs) definitely like the look i know i will say the smell of relatively freshly cut grass at night when it has been watered there's this okay. a very clear memory. I used to work when I was in high school. I worked at a movie theater in Los Alamos, New Mexico. And to get there, I had to drive past the Los Alamos Municipal Golf Course. So it was getting watered at night because, you know, you can't do watering during the day in New Mexico because it would just evaporate. And there was a smell of the water plus the grass at night that was just like very distinctive. And I think the other day I was I was walking around outside and I'm like, it's the smell. <laughs> it's the <laughs> it's the night grass smell, you know. Memories. Memories. Yes. Yeah. So we have a guest today. We do. We do. And this is a, a great gentleman. And we're so glad he was able to make some time for us today. Uh, this is Richard Newton. He's the regional director of NCF, which is National Christian Foundation Carolinas. That's here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I'm going to let Richard kind of talk about what he does a bit because he is just a great person and he has a great story so richard thanks for being here on your wealth you are or you're kind jason great is hardly i'm hardly worthy of that and um wendy i too enjoy cut grass for yeah. all of the reasons it also in the work that we all do uh, we don't create widgets we do things that involve time and voice and so the cutting the yard for me is that I can always see the line and the last thing I did. And I really love that. It's, <laughs> it's tangible. You, Very you can see the pro the before and after you got it. My wife always wonders, why do you enjoy cutting the grass so much? I said, so I can see what I did. And so, <laughs> Jason, thank you very much. And uh, it's great to be here with you. My story is pretty simple. I have a unique, I'm a Raleigh native and I have a unique vocational work and I'm a trust guy. I'm a trustee. I went to Cameron University. They have the only undergraduate major in trust management in the world. And so I got I got taught in an undergraduate degree in how to be a a trust officer and handle people's fiduciary family generational needs. And so I've been doing that for 38 years. And about 10, 11 years ago, I had a I had a great opportunity. I did that work with a bank and Then I uh, started doing it privately as an independent uh, professional trustee, and I was serving one of my client families, and uh, there was an opportunity with a land sale 
Um, and this family was in a very nice situation and that they did not need the money. Uh, and they were very, very generous people and said, isn't there a way that we could really like lessen the tax burden? They'd held this land generationally and the tax burden was going to be pretty great. And I said, there is. And and I, I knew the folks at the National Christian Foundation from other connections, but I reached out to them and uh, we we helped this family together create an incredibly awesome transaction where they gifted part of the real estate prior to the sale and everything went smoothly and they had just large sums of money that went into uh, their generosity pool in a, in a giving fund at NCF. And so I got the bug and uh, so to speak, <laughs> you got bit. I did, I got bit and I realized that, that the fiduciary work that I did as a trustee, it just transcends family working with families, working at a bank. And now I do that work simply put for, for charity. Uh, and so it's a fun work that I get to do. I don't, you don't meet a lot of grumpy, generous people. And usually so, not. Uh, That's I hadn't thought about that, Richard. It, yeah. that, that is not usually the kind of person who's like the Scrooge is handing out millions of dollars a year. I hadn't really, yeah. That's that's a really good point. It's, it, it is. And the rest of that story, I would say, Jason, is that when they do get a little grumpy, you've got a you've got a more and you've got an anchor to pull them back to to remind them what it is that they're doing in this space that I get to sit with them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's a good again. Get, getting out of ourselves and doing something for someone else, which is in the end, the heart of what generosity is all about, can really redirect our thinking and our focus, even in the worst of situations. Gratitude uh, can fix a lot of wounds. Certainly uh, can. So, anyway, so that's the work that I can do. That's my story. It's pretty simple. And I hope I get to keep doing it for a long time. And I'm not a young man, so uh, it. Uh, uh, but I enjoy it. Well, Richard, you look like you could do this for at least 38 more years. I, I, <laughs> you know, so that's good. So, Richard, we've been talking about the five uses of money on your wealth, and we've we've got episodes on taxes and debt and lifestyle and saving, and then there's giving. So we got our five right, right. there, and so we're going to talk about the giving part, which is your heart, my heart. And I kind of want to start with, you know, there's not like people go from zero to I've donated my multi-generational lot land mass that has got millions of dollars of value. That's not usually people's path. There's the first step, which is I want to give, but how do I even start? How much should I give? I, I was teaching a class at our church, and a lot of these people were in their 20s and 30s. And they, we went through this diagram with them, and they were like, oh, I, I've never had a job before. This is my first job out of my graduate program, and do, where do I even start? So if that question came to you from someone who may be earlier in their financial life, mm -hmm. it may be they're later, and they've never really thought about giving, what would be that? Where's a good starting point for them from your perspective? That's a great question. Let's start just a little bit with just kind of expanding that definition of giving and generosity. And I really just like to boil generosity down to simply doing good with what we have. And that is, that's a pretty simple definition, simply doing good 
with what we have. We tend to think that also that generosity is solely about dollars and cents. Mm -hmm. And we're focusing on that portion of it today. But the reality is that is that generosity that just is about dollars will generally speaking leave people fairly empty. And so so generosity and giving when it is connected to our life has its greatest meaning. And in fact, one of the things that we talk about in at NCF when we're helping people consider what level of giving is, you know, we look at three buckets, family, which is just your money, taxes, and then giving or charity. And to connect, get to a point where the family, your money, and giving, charity are one in the same. They're just the charity and the generosity is just an extension of who you are uh, as a family, as an individual and your Mm -hmm. money. So they're not separate. And so that's a big, big part of the uh, journey. Another thing is that just life, we use several different acronyms just to help think generously. And one thing is we talk about a generous life, your labor, your influence, your finances, and your expertise, that sometimes what we give outside of our money is even more important, quite honestly, mm-hmm. than our than our money. Quite it's, it's the three T's, right? It's time, talent, treasure. And you got it. Especially, you got it. I feel like the, a lot of times the time and talent tends to be, for at least in my experience, younger people tend to lean in more into the time and talent because yes. they have time because their life isn't complicated yet. They have some talents that can be used for certain things. And the treasure component, the money seems out of reach. And yep. so, or and so they go, well, at least I'll do those two. Yep. And then often, and I would say exclusively, I then see it flip as time progresses, especially as you get really older is that the treasure has accumulated. You can easily give money but maybe you don't have the same time that you used right. to because your your life is in a different place or you're tired. <laughs> you're in your 70s right. and you're like, I don't really have time to go do this like I used to. And so, but it's a mix of those three. And everyone's right. got those different pieces. There's ways where you can serve. You have a real expertise, you know, as a financial person. I often end up serving in treasurer roles or, sure you, you know, providing that financial gu- guidance with nonprofits or, you know, organizations I serve with. And that's a great piece. And there's not a lot of people that have that same skill set. So that's a valuable component of your giving is that you're allocating that time and your skill set, not just how much money it is. I will say the money is a part of it. And I usually will tell people, start with something, right? Even if you said it's 20 bucks a month, that's something. And a lot of times people have the United Way campaigns that they go through their office and it goes through payroll. So they go, okay, we put 10 bucks in and I get a jeans day at work. That was, that's how, that was the incentive back when I was starting my career is like, you know, jeans were this, I'm wearing jeans right now. And I remember back in the days where that was like faux pas and you had to buy your ability to wear jeans, yep. but that was a different time. So I think that that could be just the starting point. And, and someone asked me, well, what's the right number? There is no right number. That's between you, your pocketbook, God, your spouse, fill in the blank person that, but I've never had anyone admittedly feel like they gave too much. 
Never. No, no one has ever come to me and said, man, I'm just giving too much to charity and I can't make do. They, they may not be accumulating the same speed. They may not be like actively saving, but no one's ever regretted being generous in my experience. No, I completely agree. And I just want to tag on that great example you made about young, the spectrum of, of a life, young people think about time and, uh, and their abilities and, and not as much about money. You tend to kind of begin to pay, the pendulum kind of swings the other way where I see time and time again, the greatest combination, the most generous lives are those that figure out that neither one of those should really work well un- unless they're all together. Don't separate yeah. any of them. You've got, yeah. if you're going to be generous to an organization with your time and talent, then you ought to be willing to give some money too, no matter what it is and vice versa. If you're going to give the most active, generous people I know today in terms of amounts, they, when they give, they are giving significantly to organizations that they have set in the organization. They've been there. They've done the hard work that that organization has done. Now let's go back to that, how to get somebody started. I like your $20 example. Uh, but what I tend to like to talk about starting at percentages, and we mm-hmm. know the Bible talks about a tithe is 10%. That's a great practical, no matter where you might be in your faith, that's just a good practical example of a of somewhere to start. But it doesn't have to be 10%. I often tell one of the greatest examples of a young, young giver family that I still get to work with today, regular, great, great young family. And as they started their giving journey as a brand new married couple, they started out giving a percentage of their income. Okay. So get to the, and they set it up. They knew what their two respective salaries were going to be as a young couple. And they had X percentages going in. They established early uh, because of the example of their parents. They set up a giving fund at NCF and, um, and they started money went in and they made their grants from the fund. And then they had a great, great, I love this example. They decided at the beginning of their marriage that when they got raises that they hoped they were going to be diligent to work and get, every time they got a raise that was always going to be in a percentage, they were going to raise their giving by the same percentage. Okay? So if you Now, just to clarify, that wasn't like if I was giving 10 of the new set, I wasn't doing 10. If I got a 3% raise, I was going to increase that 10% by 3%. And it would just kind of ratchet up. It wasn't just, oh, the 10% is now on the larger number. It's the percentage got bigger exactly. along with the increase in income. You nailed it. So if it was a 3% raise, then you said 10 by 3%. And it, and it looked, it can look kind of small at time, but then all of a sudden they noticed one time took a new job and, and he got a he got basically a 30% increase in his pay. And so they increased their giving at that point, the where they were at that point by 30%. And um today, as a still relatively young couple, by by especially by my standards at 60 years old, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're quite young, but they're in their 30s. And they're giving nearly 50% of their income, their adjusted gross income. Now, that's not necessarily a model. Listen, I work with some amazingly generous families. 
And every one of them would say, if they encourage others, don't let my example be prescriptive, but let it be inspiration and encouragement to do mm -hmm. something. But this family, by doing that and doing it incrementally, their lifestyle changed some in good ways, but their generosity just kept out of pace with it. And so there's lots of different ways to do it, but you nailed it, Jason. It is all about getting started with something. And um, and there one other thing, just combining that that, you know, time, talent, treasure, your life, your labor, your influence, your finances, and your expertise, all the things that come together to make up a generous life is that that it makes that release easier. Mm -hmm. You and I know we what's so funny about that is that we we don't the ta unless you pay estimates, um, your taxes come out of your paycheck automatically. You don't have to release that. Now, you may complain about it, however your view on that is. I've heard a lot of those, a lot of those complaints. Yeah, a lot of those complaints. But that generosity dollar, you have to release it. It is a mental, emotional, spiritual disconnect that you have to make with your dollars. And so it does something, again, back to that simple, what is generosity? It's simply doing good with what you have. That when that happens, man, there's some good stuff that goes on in a person's life. But that release is a big deal in the generosity oh, yeah. equation. Well, and, and I, I'm going to take the next level and tell a story around that. So so like, you know, there's first is getting started. Then there's second, which is intentionality, right? You're going to give with yes. intention. And you're going to say, how are we going to do that? And we've talked about on the podcast, the pie, right? There's only so much money because, you know, That's right. theoretically, how you spend it slices up the pie differently. And that generous piece is one of those things that I like to start there. Most people, when, when I was teaching this class, I was like, well, if you start at these things, these are kind of hard numbers and there's also limited numbers of those things. So you're right. only giving, generally most people only give to a handful or a singular charity. If they're going to do it, they're giving to their church, they're giving to something they believe in. There are definitely, I've had a number of uh, little old lay clients that write their $25 check to the fireman's department or anyone that asks for like 10 bucks, they send a check for 10 bucks. Right. But so if you say, okay, here's that percentage, here's that 10, five, two, whatever it is, that's set. Then we've talked about how the debt number is set and your savings number you can set, which then leaves kind of a, a plug for the for your lifestyle. I, I think one of the things with that intention is that you create the the release point. And I really love the way you describe it. You're releasing the dollars that you have to give it up. You're not just it's not magically showing up, which is why. I would argue that most people really don't know how much they pay in taxes because of the average person it's taken out of their paycheck and it just kind of like hoofs and it just, it's just like they get a net. They know what their net is, but they don't really know what that goes out to the other taxes. Right. And that's like my, when, when my wife and I got married, I did not tithe. I was like, how could we possibly, I mean, it was like, how could we possibly make do on 90% of our gross salary? Oh my gosh, this is awful. Is it gross or net? I was very, very oh, yeah. accountant with the, it. All very accountant. Yeah, all the. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever had those. But the no. the thing <laughs> that was interesting about it is once we did, and, and this was at a time, and I'm dating myself a little bit. Checks were a much more prominent thing, and oh, at sure. church it was the giving envelope. So you had to write the check, and you had to stick it in your envelopes. They would send you a wad of them every in, quarter. In a box. So 
in a box and you'd get them out. And that was the, I was like, well, we could set up online. That was like the beginnings of online giving. And my wife was like, no, I need to write the check. I need to feel like I did this and it was important. And I think that's really cool. So that was like, okay, the intention there is we want to see it be released. I have another client who they are similar to your story. They established their benchmark at the 10, but they said every year we want to increase it. And we'll keep doing that as, you know, we'll see if we're called to it. And they're up to like 14% now. So every year is a hard one. Awesome. And, the, and their income has radically changed. So you see the, when you're taking the two numbers and you say increasing percentage and increasing income, the raw dollar is a lot bigger, right. but they've had that conversation and that's how they start building into the, like, this is a part of our life and this is how we're going to kind of operate as a family and get intentionality. And I think that's super cool. Then we get kind of to the advanced section, which is what I'd like to kind of end on our conversation sure. about is kind of like getting into some, more advanced strategy kind of thing where you're being, you're using a few things like, let's talk about what kind of, we talk about donor advice funds, giving of your business, and then, you know, appreciate stock. So let's start with the donor advice fund because that's a big thing of what NCF is know about. Can right. you just, Richard, summarize real quick, what is, what, what, just for the audience's purpose, you will you hear a donor advice fund or a DAF, D-A-F, yeah. just for keeping the rolling of the tongue. But what sure. exactly is a donor advised fund and where's the benefit when it goes in and what happens once it's there? Yep. Real easy analogy, if you will. I like to call a donor advised fund a charitable banking account. In a banking account, you put money in, draft it, your paycheck comes in there, it goes in your uh, checking account and you either write checks or you set up payments to go and you draft money out here and there. Well, a donor advised fund is exactly the same way, except it is a tax exempt transaction. So the minute that your cash goes in, and let's use cash as the example for now, your cash goes into that, it's a gift and you get a tax deduction for that and it's gone. You have released that money to your charitable intent. And a donor advised fund provider like NCF is, and, and close to a thousand additional ones exist in the United States. We're a tax exempt entity. We're a 501c3 organization, just like a church, just like United Way, just like Red Cross. Name them. You can name them off. We're a 501c3. So by putting your money in that type of an account, you create a tax exempt situation. So, and then, it goes into there, and currently there are no limitations on how often and how much you have to give out of that fund. So what it what it acts as is a way for you to systematize your giving, your generosity, and to be able to be very proactive about it. And and instead of getting one receipt, or let's say you give the five different charities and getting five receipts, trying to hunt them down. If you gave, you get one receipt from the gift into your, into your donor advice fund. And then as the donor, you get to advise the donor advice fund provider that you use, which is technically a trustee getting down in the weeds a little bit, but you get to advise them where you want your grants to go. And then the chair, and then the charity approves it and it goes out. 
And so it's a very seamless transaction. Uh, and again, I like to say it's a great efficiency tool. It's a way to systematize uh, your giving. And one of the one of the big things is, and, and I I confess, and that is that by putting my money aside in my giving fund, the temptation to use it for something else is gone because I can't go in there and pull that back out for my benefit. Yeah. You can't um, put it in a savings account and say, well, oh yeah, I really want that new griddle or whatever. Yeah. Is is no, that is gone. That is not my money anymore. I have released that money to that side of my life that is going, that is generous and I can't get it back for any other purpose. And so when it comes to, I have lots of, not lots, but I have numerous regular recurring grants, but then we sit down and go, okay, what about this ministry or this charity that we're working with? And we get to decide, and you can do it late at night, just like you can with your checking account, paying the bills, but making a grant to a charity you love is a whole lot more fun than paying the light bill and paying oh, yeah. the gas bill. <laughs> well, and the great thing about the donor advice fund, especially if you happen to have like a windfall of some sort, and this, let's say you sold a business, you receive some inheritance and you want to put in there is it you kind of front load those charitable donations but you aren't required to then dole out immediately and it allows for that intentionality kick in again and say this is what i want to do we have a client who has sold their business and it was a a very large transaction and we talked about tithing and do you give to the that lump sum and they were going to tithe on the sale the total proceeds of the sale and it would have been a six-figure donation. And cool. you go, well, I don't think you want to necess- – they didn't want to have it all go to their church at one time. They wanted right. to spread it out. And that allows you to do that in the donor advice fund. You couldn't do that it if does. you were like, well, I want that tax deduction in the year of the sale. Well, get ready to give them a big check and hope they don't keep asking for the same amount every year. And so that's really cool. And I think that kind of couples in with that appreciated stock. And then, yes, there are people who have appreciated stock still. At the time of this recording, the stock market's done its little thing, and it's not as high as the peaks, but people do have appreciated positions still. The great thing about leveraging those is that you can put those into the donor advice fund, and if you've held them for at least a year, you get that tax deduction on the value of the security, not the difference, not what you paid for it, not the... You don't have to sell it and trigger income. It just goes in and kind of loads it in there, and then y'all... NCF or any of the other donor advised fund custodians basically can sell it for free. They, they you guys don't it. pay tax on the the sale, and that yeah. becomes money that can be then doled it's out to charity double, as well. It's the classic double win deduction, and the tax on the capital gain is wiped out. Yeah. Um, real quick, Jason, there's a great graph that we like to show of the almost five hundred billion dollars that was given last year and. And uh, and uh, and in 21 as well, about 90 percent of that is in the form of cash. Excuse me, about 80 percent of it is in the form of cash. Okay, so that's money that's already been taxed cash. The other 20 percent is in the form of what we call a non-cash asset, which would be marketable securities. It would be those complex assets like the value of a business or a, a piece of real estate. You'd also be surprised the number the percentage of that 20% that is made up of gifts of our tangible property to Goodwill and other charities that do those, take those kinds of things. But I'm a regular giver of, to the Durham Rescue Mission. You got it. <laughs> of the <But> stuff. Now, <laughs> now, 
the reality is, is that for the average person that is building their net worth, cash only makes up about 10% of our net worth and our balance, personal balance sheet. And non-cash assets, portfolios, retirement assets, businesses, real estate, make up the other 90. Now, not all of that is suitable for giving, but the one of the we we contend that one of the great uh, things that can happen and still when people realize this is that the they've got a whole ninety percent pie that they own that is could be suitable for generosity and so don't limit yourself. That's why you and I, when we meet with people, we tell people about hey, you've got this hundred shares of IBM that you've held for. I'm just using that as an example, and it's got a big gain in it. You got a low basis. It's a great asset for giving. Um, and then you can, there are lots of things. So you and I are about to get into weeds on that. We won't go. Too I know, far we could go that. probably a whole episode about the <laughs> look at that as a part of a portfolio. So Richard it has been, what's the best way if someone says, you know, I've heard this podcast and it's time to kind of get serious about this. What's a great way to get a hold of you and start that conversation if they're interested? Number one, thank you. Uh, if it's appropriate, they could, uh, they could reach out to me at my email at rnewton at ncfgiving.com. They could also go to the NCF Giving site and go to ncfgiving.com and go to the Carolinas site location and they can leave an email in there. So NCF, I think it's actually ncf slash carolinas.com or I, I may have that a little bit wrong, but just ncfgiving.com and then look for Carolinas page. And they can drop an email in our inbox and reach me that way. Awesome. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Been a blast to be with you guys. I love talking about this subject. Jason, how do people get in touch with you? Well, they can go to cookwealth.com, call our office 919-784-9100. And thank you all for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Own Your Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at cookwealth.com or give us a call at 919-784-9100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.